and so today I want to speak to you about an important subject uh, and my message is entitled the Christian responsibility of gratitude of gratitude because God has spoken so eloquently and profoundly about what he expects from us uh, in terms of gratitude and so I want to convey that message to you uh, today. And let me just bow our heads as I start this message. Lord, I ask you that this message be from you, that it be designed to touch our hearts today in the present truth, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We put this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're looking first at Romans uh, 1, uh, verse 21. And I'm going to follow along with you on my iPad. So give me a moment. And so uh, Romans 1.21, and we're going to show the verses on the screen, so you don't have to worry about running and finding them in your Bible. Uh, and so Romans 1.21, which is really the, the pr predicate of this message, is as follows. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Uh, and what a sad state of affairs this is, as Paul writes about mankind. Mankind refusing to recognize who God is, refusing to recognize the sovereignty of God in every way. And as a result of that, not glorifying God, not worshiping God, not seeing God for the nature of who he is, we have effectively, mankind has rejected God um, and rejected him. Uh, and so God, as a result of us rejecting him, and that really present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and so what does that mean there it means that in every aspect of your life give requests to God ask him in prayer and petition and supplication but how do we do it with thanksgiving with thanksgiving meaning that as we bow to God we thank him for what he has done. We thank him for all the gifts he has given us. And then we make supplication and we ask him and, and, he will, and he will come and he will answer that. Thankfulness. Thankfulness is the very mark of those who know, truly know God, even though we sometimes forget to be thankful. Listen, you people are saved. You are the people of God. All right. And you have a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness. Unfortunately, sometimes we forget to thank God, all right? And this is a message designed to make you remember that. Uh, but the world represses the truth about God, and it never thanks God, and God knows that, and that's ultimately going to bring the wrath of God upon the world. And so we need to think about the nature, about the nature of our own prayers. And, and this is an important thing that I want you to think about because often our prayers are nothing more than a string of requests. It's as if we treat God as if he were our hotel concierge. <laughs> Lord, I need this, I need that. I want this, I need that. I want this, I need that. I want this. Thank you, Father, for everything you've given me. Amen. All right? Amen. Doesn't that sound like the prayer that a lot of us make? That's not a prayer that pleases the heart of God. Uh, and, and, and really, we need to understand that in order for our prayers to be answered, we need to make our prayers on the order of adoration, on worship, uh, on lifting up, on thanksgiving, 
Uh, and only then, after we've gone through that, only then, after we do all that, then we make our requests. We make supplication. After we've gone through all of the prayerful thanksgiving aspects of the relationship of what God has given you and what he has done. Uh, and can you imagine what a difference the world would be if we prayed like that? If that was the nature of how we approached the throne of God? Uh, and, and I want you to look at, uh, as you reflect on this, I want you to look at the opening lines of the Lord's Prayer. Because Jesus teaches us appropriately. Look, look if you would, on Matthew chapter 6, we'll have it on the screen, verse 9, verses 9 to 10. And Jesus there says there, and this is right before, as he leads into the Lord's Prayer, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I haven't asked for a single thing yet. I haven't asked for my daily bread. I haven't asked them to heal me of some sickness. I haven't asked them for a job. I haven't asked them to help me because I need more money. I haven't asked for any of that. Instead, what have I said? Hallowed be your name. You are holy, God. Your kingdom on heaven, let it be on earth. Let your will be here, Lord, just as your will is in heaven. That's the kind of prayer that gets answered. When you come to him with that kind of heart and supplication in that way. And so the Bible has much to say, much to say about thankfulness. Uh, in fact, giving thanks to God is of such fundamental importance that the Bible mentions that the failure to give uh, thankfulness is a basis for God's judgment against humanity. Uh, and if you would look at 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, it will be on the screen, verses 16 to 18, we see these verses, and this, this is important. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. What does that mean? It means even when you are down, even when you're going through trials and tribulations, and you're going through a difficult period in your, in your life, give thanks to the Lord that he is still with you, that he walks with you, because he will never abandon you. He will never leave you. Everything that you get that God is involved with will ultimately perfect you and strengthen you and make you more like Christ Jesus. Look, none of us want to suffer. None of us want to be sick. None of us want to go through trials and temptations. But I am convinced that for, for us, in Christ Jesus, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Can I get an amen, church? I mean, I want you to understand that. All things, not just the good things, all things. And that's the lesson here. To be giving thanks to God even when we don't understand it. Even when things seem difficult. Even when we're going through pain and suffering. And I know that many of you are. And I'm, and I'm conscious of it. And I hurt for you. And I'm praying for you. But I want you to understand that. That we have to have this ongoing gratitude to God. Why? Because he saved us. He took us from destruction. And he brought us. He's bringing us to heaven. 
And every day that we walk in this world, he is perfecting us. He's making us more like Jesus. He is, he is strengthening us. He's allowing us to be a lighthouse to the world because he loves you and he cares for you. And that's the nature of gratitude, understanding that this is God. And so here's the point. Here's the point. So far beyond the temporal blessings that we get in this world, those that were here while we're alive, we're thankful to God for the spiritual blessings, for the fact that he saved us. Uh, and brought us into salvation that he's given us a life filled with the Holy Spirit that we're convicted when we do the wrong thing that we want to get closer to him in every aspect and that we understand that without the intervention of God we would go to hell that we would be lost forever that but for his love and grace to us we would be lost I don't think you could ever thank him enough for that alone if he never did another thing for you, and all he did was save you with his son, Jesus Christ, then I would say I'd mark your account paid in full. Paid in full. And the problem is, for most of us, we forget to say thanks. We take it for granted. All right? We take it for granted. But I want to challenge you now that in your life now, from now on, that a thousand, a hundred times a day, a hundred times a day, you give thanks to God. You reach out to him and you thank him for everything that he's doing, for your health, for your friends, for your church, for the fact that he's given you a, a living, a place to go, that he has surrounded you with people that love you and care for you. And you need to say, thank you, Father. Thank you so much for everything that you've given me. Thank you that, that you've restored me and given me this kind of life. And so we have to understand that it is only because we're in Christ that we have been washed with the blood of Jesus by the grace of God, that we are forgiven and will be in heaven. That is the promise that God has given us. Uh, and it is a, a powerful promise. You are now heirs and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. He is your brother. That's exactly how God looks at you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that God looks at you as if you were the brother of Christ in the family of God. All of that, all of that, because you have bowed your head and accepted this free gift. And now, in gratitude, you need to be mindful of that in every way of your life. Mm -hmm. And so here's the thing. It is not only what we perceive to be positive that should cause us to thank God. It's the very nature of the Christian life. Everything and every circumstance, whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether it's positive or whether it's negative. Every single aspect of our life is controlled by God. And, is, and he is with us and molding us and affirming us. And yes, many times we don't like to be squeezed. We don't like that. All right. But here's the thing. You're not in charge. He is. And so as we say, Lord, take me. Use me. Let me be what you want me to be, Lord. You direct my paths, all right? And you, you lead me. And that's what's so beautiful when I see you here volunteering and stepping out for so many ministries. This is the hand of God. God wants you to step up and reach out to a lost world. He wants you to help those who are hurting, those who, who are really uh, the undercarriage of life. That's what God wants you to do. And he's, and he's giving you an opportunity to do that right here uh, in this church. And so we need to thank God in every aspect of our life, including even the trials. 
Look at James chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. We'll put it on the, on the board. And in that passage is there. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and not lacking anything. I want you to think about that. Uh, thanking God for the persecutions and the trials, the testing of your faith. Listen, it's one thing to read the words. It's another thing to live it. It's another thing to live it when you're going through difficult times, when you're going through hard times. And I know that many of you are. And my heart aches for you. And I pray for you. Uh, and I want you to know that God, God cares about you and loves you. And so even when you're going through these difficult times, God has a purpose in your life. He is perfecting you. He is strengthening you. He is molding you. He is making you something that you never, ever would ever think that you would be. He's making you more like Jesus every day of your life. Can you imagine that? Being more like Jesus. Uh, and so it's, as he's doing this, he's developing perseverance in us so that we can stand up against the trials and tests uh, of this world because he understands what this world is like. And so he's using these trials and temptations and tribulations to grow us and make us more like Jesus every way. He's making us stronger. Uh, that's the nature of God. And so the suffering of this world so grieves God. It breaks his heart. He knows that this world is not where it was supposed to be. He knows that this world was supposed to be like the Garden of Eden. And he knows that Satan insinuated himself at that very moment and affected the DNA of mankind. And sin entered the world. All right? And so death entered the world. And so we live now in a world uh, dominated by evil by evil. In every aspect of our life, we're surrounded by evil. But there is a hope. There is a lighthouse. And that lighthouse is within you. It's Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit within you, that he's done that to save you and call you to be a lighthouse to the world, an example in the midst of troubles. And so he's equipping us in every possible way to deliver the message of hope to the world. You are the messengers. You're not the saviors. But you're the messengers and God is calling you for that. Even as you suffer and going through persecution and you're going through dark times. I told you that when I go to visit our people in the hospital, you walk down that hallway. And when you come to the room of, of a Christian, even when they're suffering, even when they are dying, the room is filled with hope. The room is filled with light. And then you go down the hall and you go to a room or you pass a room where that's not the case. And it's desperate. It's dark. Because there is no hope. There is no light. There is no Jesus. And that's, and that's really uh, what happens. I want you to see, uh, I want you to read, as we put up on the board, Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. It's on the board. And it says there, and Paul wrote this. And this is Paul at the point where he's facing death. And you know Paul. He had such a difficult life. So much of what he faced was daily persecution 
his life was constantly threatened. He had, he had been stoned and, and people had tried to murder him. And rejection includes not just uh, not bowing in worship to him, not, not just not recognizing who he is, but also not being in gratitude for everything that he has given us. Everything you are, everything that you have, all of the gifts and talents that you have, have been given to you by sovereign God. Uh, and so many of us have failed to recognize that that is the gift of God. We think somehow that we have, we have developed these on our own. Uh, and God uh, is bitterly disappointed uh, in man, not bowing and recognizing this about God. And so this means that there are effectively three failures of mankind. Three failures as we come to terms with that. First, we have suppressed the truth about God. You see, the God has made himself evidently clear as to who he is in nature. Every one of us sees the hand of God around us, the sky, the, scar, the stars, the very earth itself, the oceans, the mountains. Everything here around us speaks to the hand of God. All of it. And yet, mankind ignores it. Uh, and so as a result of that, unwilling to come to, to recognize the, you know, who God is in nature leads to the first step of failure. Secondly, we have refused to glorify or worship God. That is mankind's failure. Not only does it not bow to a recognition of who God is, but it refuses to glorify him and raise him up. Uh, and that is despite the fact that he's made himself evidently clear. And third, and this is the nature of the sermon today, the third, we have forgotten to be thankful. We have forgotten to be thankful, to thank Him in every aspect of our life. From the moment you get up in the morning to the day that you, you put your head down on a pillow at the end of night, we have forgotten to be thankful for all that He's done. And so there's a connection in these three uh, human failures, and it's important to understand how that ingratitude to God needs to be understood. Uh, and so God is disappointed in mankind. He's disappointed for these three failures, and He's disappointed that we as humanity don't thank him in gratitude for all that we have and so effectively what this failure winds up being is a suppression of the truth about God mankind suppresses the truth it refuses to acknowledge God or lift God up uh, and we do that because first of all we do not have him named as sovereign in our lives we don't like to call him sovereign in our lives because we like to have an autonomous life. We think man, you, mankind thinks that it's, it can call its own shot, that it's, in, that it's in charge of its own ship, when in fact, that's absolutely the opposite. And we believe that by, by bowing to God's sovereignty, we, we lose our autonomy. Uh, and, and we resent God for his holiness. We resent him because his holiness opposes everything that we do because of our sin. And, and mankind rejects that. It doesn't want to recognize that it is sinful. It doesn't want to recognize that there's a higher being and that that higher being is holy. And so we do not like God. We do not like God because he's immutable. He's unchangeable. And that disturbs us as well because we don't like the fact that he's unchangeable. We cannot stand these truths. And so as a result of this, mankind suppresses the truth about God. Uh, and as we suppress the truth about God, we lose, we lose the power of God in our lives. 
And so the, the point of this message today is to enable you to be able to speak to people who find themselves in this situation. Look, we know, we know what the Jews did when they were brought out of Egypt uh, and rebelled. Uh, and if you look at Exodus 32, verse 8, uh, here's, here's what God said about the rebelling Jews. He said, they have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Can you imagine the Jewish people after being saved and brought out of slavery, that they actually wind up speaking like this? And this is God repeating what was going on in the camp. This is the nature of mankind. It is, has ingratitude. It doesn't recognize who God was and the power of God. And you see it there and you want to see that God resents that kind of attitude. And it's very clear and that's the point that I want to make to you today uh, as we come to understand the attributes of God. And so why is ingratitude so dangerous? Why is an attitude of, of ingratitude so dangerous? Well, it's, it's so dangerous because it is based upon a willful unawareness of the most basic facts about who God is and about our proper relationship uh, to God. In other words, it is the very basis of the problem that Paul is teaching here in Romans. And if you look at Romans 1 verses 18 to 20, which we'll put up on the screen, he speaks here about the wrath of God and why God is angry with humanity. And there it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. That's exactly how God thinks. People are without excuse. They see nature. They see the power of God. They see the heavens. They see the sun. They see the moon. They see the stars. They see our earth revolving perfectly around the sun and all the planets sitting there in perfect configuration. And, and they say that this happens because of an explosion. I mean, that would be like saying there was an explosion in a watch shop and a Rolex watch came out of the explosion. Now, of course, we laugh at that, you see. We laugh at that because it's absurd. But at the same time, these people who deny the existence and sovereignty of God make these kinds of arguments. And we have to stand up and show the world how off they are, how far it is. And so we, we, we have to recognize that everything that we have, your health, your influence, your affluence, your property, your relationship with your families, the fact that there are people that love you and care for you, and yes, even this church, even this church is a gift from God. Seriously, do you think, and I want you to recognize this, do you think that this is a result that a couple of people sat down, took out a piece of paper, and said, let's see if we can make up a church? Are you kidding? And then 450 people show up? 
Look, this is a gift from God. God knew your hearts. He knew where you were. He knew that you were brokenhearted. He knew that you needed a place, and he gave you a place. He gave you a place. This is the very gift of God. Uh, and just as God wants you to acknowledge all of the other things that he did in your life for you, he wants you to acknowledge this as, as well. And so what you see is when we fail to do this, we put up a, a mass amount of ingratitude. And so rebellion, and I want to speak about that, rebellion uh, against God does not necessarily begin with the clenched fist of the atheist. But in many ways, it begins with the self-satisfied heart of someone who, does have, who has no gratitude for what God has given them. Uh, and the world is full of those people who operate daily without gratitude, without understanding of what God has given. This is not about you. It's about the world and how the world, uh, world is operating, but how we need to be able to speak to the world. And so we have to recognize that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Every single gift comes from the Father of mercies. Yet we never thank him. Yet we never thank him. The man or woman of faith is the one who gives faith, who gives thanks, but the rest of the world uh, does not. You know, it's, it's like when the Jews left uh, Egypt and God took them out uh, and they were traveling to the promised land. For 40 years, all they did was complain. They complained about the heat. They complained because it wasn't water. They complained about the manna because they didn't like the diet. Only thing is God gave it to them every day instead of starving, and yet they still complained every day. In fact, it got so bad that they wanted to lynch Moses and go back to the brickbats. That's the nature of humanity. All right, that's the nature of humanity and why God has reached down to this earth and has saved us from a desperate condition. Uh, it's so amazing. And so you see Moses having to live with these people and work with these people, uh, and it's so bitter. And I want you to understand how, how Moses himself talked about it. Uh, and if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12, here's what Moses said to the Jewish people as they rebelled against him. All right? This is what he said. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And that's what I would say that God is saying to us today. Do not forget. Do not forget that I have been with you. Do not forget that I have loved you, that I have cared for you, that I have affirmed you. I care for you so much that even when I saw things becoming desperate in your life, even as to how you were worshiping or where you thought you were finding God, that I took care of it, God says, and found you another place because I loved you and cared for you. I want to bring you closer. I want to affirm you and let you know that there is a congregation of people that love you and surround you and want to be with you and raise you up in every possible way. And so you see this here as we begin to understand all of the things that God does for us and how we are over, have to be constantly thanking him, constantly thanking him. I know a dear sister who used to go around thanking God when she found a parking space, you know? And while maybe that, that sounds a little bit over the top, the attitude is beautiful, right? The attitude is beautiful. In other words, it's so great when somebody recognizes that everything that I have is from you, Father. 
Everything that you have given me is from you. And I bow in gratitude for that. Uh, and so Paul, Paul talked about this as well in Philippians. Uh, Philippians, actually, uh, chapter 4, verses 6. He talked about, about that issue. But I want to go back first to, to Luke chapter 17. And in Luke 17, Jesus, Jesus came face to face with the ten lepers. And when he came face to face to the ten lepers, he told them, you are healed. Now go and show yourself to the priest, because the priest had to certify that they were healed. And so the ten lepers go, and by the time they get to the priest at the temple, they are, in fact, healed from leprosy. Now nobody during that period of time was ever healed from leprosy unless they came face to face with Jesus. Unless they came face to face with Jesus, they were never healed. And so yet the, these 10 lepers were healed. But here's the price of humanity. Only one came back to thank the Son of God. Only one came back. And I want you to see how God reacts. God just doesn't dismiss it. I want you to see if you look at Luke 17, uh, verse 17 to 18. Jesus asked as the one that came back, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? That's the heart of God. I don't want you to think that God just says, well, that's how human beings are. They're just ungrateful. No, the heart of God is broken when we don't go back and thank him and give gratitude to him for everything that we have in our lives. And this is an important lesson for us to drill down to today to understand this, uh, to come to terms with this. And now uh, Paul spoke about this issue also in Philippians. Uh, and here's what he said. If you look at Philippians chapter four, he said as follows, do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving a number of times his life was constantly filled with strife and yet he loved the Lord he never deviated from the Lord and his message would remain constant constantly affirming and look what he says here in Philippians chapter 1 verses 21 to 3 from to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. What a great message this is. This is the message that you need to have. This is how you know that you're completely sold out to Jesus Christ. You are not afraid to die. You're not afraid to leave this planet. Why? Because you know where you're going is a thousand times better. And he's going to wait there for you and embrace you there. And when you get there, you're going to be with your family and your friends who have left before you as Christians. This is the promise of God. And that's why we're grateful. We can live like that. And so think about it, that you live every day of your life knowing he's blessing you and lifting you up and affirming you. And even then, when you're at death's door, instead of despairing and despondency, you see the light of heaven 
You recognize that he's right there. And I can tell you, I have firsthand testimony about this. And when my, my saintly mother was near death, I stood in her bed uh, and she had been in a coma uh, for weeks. Uh, and finally, when it became clear that she was about to die and she hadn't spoken, I put my hand on my mother's forehead and I prayed, dear Lord, please, Father, I love this woman. She was a tremendous mother, a tremendous wife. Uh, and she was a great Christian. And now, Father, I ask you, Lord, to wrap your arms around her. Wrap your arms around her, Father, and take her home. Take her home. And I'm telling you, my mother opened her eyes, opened her eyes, looked at the ceiling, and the most beautiful smile you could ever imagine on that woman who'd been in a coma for weeks was on her face. She looked up, she smiled, and she went home. That's the kind of faith I want you to have. That's the kind of promise God has. That's why we're grateful in every way, in every step of our life. He's with you as we walk. He's with you when you're sick. He's with you when you're up. He's with you when you're down. And he's with you even when you get ready to move on to the next stage of your life when you're going to spend it with heaven. This is your Jesus. This is your God. This is why we follow him. This is why we love him. And it's so honestly humbling to me during Christmas time that we come back and focus on that great gift. That great gift that God came to this earth and gave that baby in the manger for us. That baby that would one day grow up and be the all time savior of all mankind who would die on the cross. We can never say thank you enough, dear Lord. Amen. If we said thank you now for a million years, every second of the day, it wouldn't be enough. And so I inspire you now to leave this place with that pledge on your heart, that message on your heart, to go out and give the world the nature of gratitude and make a promise to yourself in every aspect of your life and all the people that you know to be grateful constantly for what he has done for us. We owe him an eternity of gratitude. Let's bow as we close this message. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word, Father. I thank you for this message of hope and this message about gratitude. Lord, forgive us, Father, when we're not grateful. Forgive us, Lord, because we understand now how important gratitude is to you. We don't want to be like the nine lepers who didn't come back. Lord, we know that we ourselves look like lepers. We're covered with sin. And yet, Lord, how many of us have constantly thanked you for what we have done? And we ask you, Father, to forgive us. And so, Father, we all come back now together as a church. We all bow before you and thank you, Father, together, collectively, for what you've done. We are so grateful to you for the gifts that you've given us. We are grateful for the friendships that you've given us. We're grateful for a place where we can come and worship together. Lord, we thank you a thousand times. We thank you. Let us go out from here today and give this word to a world that is lost to tell them about you and what it means to be God and how much you love us. We put all of this, Father, and ask you to continue to protect our people and bring them back safely next week to continue this worship. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.